Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is the Tim May Podcast Edition XXVI or something like that. I haven't added them all up. Yes, I'm still putting a dollar into a pot for every time I say the word or grunt, the sound, uh. We'll see where that goes as this podcast continues. But I digress. This was a Kind of a big weekend for the college football playoff rankings if you're really following closely. And my guest today, my opening guest today, does that for a living, Bill Bender of the Sporting News. I'm going to bring him in in a moment. But to sum up, Ohio State was able to decimate, and they did decimate because they scored 10 times, decimate uh, Maryland despite not having Chase Young on the field, who might have had about eight sacks in that game because Ohio State had a season-high seven itself without Chase Young. The Chase Young saga drama continues as we record this show. But the bottom line is he is expected back, I think, sometime this season. How soon he'll be back remains to be seen. The prevailing thought is this could be a two-game affair. We'll see where it goes once the NCAA gets back from its day off for Veterans Day and maybe looks at this thing a little more closely. But, of course, then LSU decimated Alabama. Uh, over the weekend in the big showdown game. the, the This is about the, what, the 13th or 14th game of the century so far this century. The first one was uh, Ohio State versus Michigan way back in 2006. But I digress. A, a fellow, a friend of mine, but past that, a fellow who keeps up with the national scene about as well as anybody out there is Bill Bender, uh, writes for the Sporting News. I'd like to bring Bill in and just get his reactions on a couple of these major stories that occurred over the weekend. Bill, how are you doing? And uh, well, speaking of jars, my daughter and I have a jar bet as well. It's every time I swear I put a quarter in, and every time she says "Yeah, but," then I get to take a quarter back. So uh, it's pretty even right now. Uh, I had a curse cup way back when, and it raneth over so much it looked like one of those slot machines at Vegas when you hit, you know, three apples in a row. <laughs> and I uh, finally had to abandon it because I was running out of quarters. Uh, but Bill, you and I think alike. By the way, I just added another dollar to the to the cut cu- up. Uh, just now but i digress bill and immediately what's your take what's the impact nationally uh, the story from your vantage point of the chase young affair the situation ohio state finds itself in right now and yet it was able to uh, keep the ball rolling so to speak against maryland uh, i mean first off i mean austin did a good job breaking the story um good job for the people at letterman row there uh you know made for a busy friday of trying to Get down to the details of what happened, uh-huh. and now it's just a question of length. Now, like you said, I think we'll see him back on the field. It's just, is it going to be the Penn State game? Is it going to be the Michigan game? I mean, the immediate damage that I don't think really matters that much. Yeah, he's not going to win the Heisman now. I mean, that's not going to happen because he he missed games, and there's a cross-section of voters, as you know, Tim, that, yeah. that may get over-sanctimonious with that. Yes. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I think he'll be back on the field. Ohio State certainly didn't need him to beat Maryland. They won't. I've never seen. Have you ever seen a fifty-point spread, Tim? You've been covering no. Ohio State for a long time. I haven't seen one of those in a while. Uh, Bill, I will interrupt you here and say that I would. I thought this was going to be about seventy-five. <laughs> I know <laughs> you can't go that high, right? Because who? But based on you know, you know, based on evidence, why would it be about seventy, seventy-five? But no, I've never seen a fifty-plus point spread before, and. uh we're in uncharted territory. You think it's legit? I think it's legit. 
Well, I took Maryland to cover last week, and I'm Uh-oh. you know I'm doing my picks column. We do that every week, as you know, and yeah. I'm probably going to take the Buckeyes to cover the 51, and if they don't, so be it. But you know, I, I think it's a get in, get out trip for them. Get out of Rutgers, try to be as healthy as possible, and get ready for these last two games. Where again, they're going to be fa- heavily favored against Penn State, who laid an egg. I mean, people are trying to justify it. They laid an egg at Minnesota this weekend, and um, I've thought all along that Michigan would be the tougher game for Ohio State, but at the same time, you're banking on Shea Patterson to beat Ohio State, and that it, it's hard to picture that as well. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the you know the I, I kept saying all last week I was on a bunch of radio shows, even on, on my podcast here. I was more curious about how good Penn State was going into that game than was Minnesota, because I thought Minnesota has shown an upward uh, ascent. Of course, when you ascend, you're going upward. I understand that. But they've been ascending all year from like barely getting by Fresno State and blah, 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 right on up to they are a very good offense right now. Great. I'm not sure. Tanner Morgan is playing extremely well. He had a great game against what was supposed to be the best defense he's gone against all year. I'm talking about on Saturday, Minnesota against Penn State. And then Penn State, you know, like you said, kind of spit the bit, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a bad loss. And if they – here's the thing, and I know we're going to get into Alabama here in a minute, but here's the argument I've been having ever since we've had this Alabama loss on Saturday is <laughs> the committee's not going to push them off that number four line. It's going to be up to somebody ranked five through 11. And I always look at the board this way. There are 11 power five teams with one loss or less. And those are pro- yeah, there's never been a two-loss team in the playoff, so you can right. cross everybody else off. Which one of those teams below, and I'm not counting Clemson, LSU, or Ohio State. I think they're all on track to do their thing. Which one of those teams below Alabama is going to push them off the number four? Yeah, and I think it's going it might, and it's going to make a lot of people mad. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that anybody other than Oregon can actually do it. Hmm. Uh, interesting. Uh, very interesting because, of course, you know Alabama closes its regular season by playing the the team that beat Oregon, Auburn. So, you know, it's we'll see if that happens. Number two, Georgia. I like. I'm with you. I think Georgia has. There's a definite. What do you want to call it? Uh, not curiosity, but doubt about how good Georgia really is right now. When you think about it, but the interesting team to me, the fly in the ointment is Minnesota. And, you know, everybody can laugh, but Minnesota still has still has to play Wisconsin and Iowa. Those would still be considered quality wins. So let's say Minnesota gets to the Big Ten championship game undefeated. What do you do with Minnesota? Yeah, I mean, that's the big question. I mean, it, the, the, there is a natural disrespect for them, knowing that they're an underdog at Iowa this weekend. Yes. I mean, off that big win, and I think they're better than Iowa. I, do too. I think the Wisconsin game's a toss-up to me with them because I think Wisconsin does the same things they do. They run the ball a little bit better um, with Taylor. and But again, Minnesota beat them last year. So, right. I mean, yeah, if you're an Ohio State fan, you almost want Minnesota to be undefeated when they play in the Big Ten Championship if it comes to that. And I, I've been having this argument the last 48 hours, but if, if I don't think two Big Ten teams can get in, but – you know, what if that argument comes down to Ohio State and Alabama again for some reason? Right. And Alabama doesn't have to play for a conference championship. That would get vicious. Yeah, I, I, I 
really do believe that Ohio State wins the argument this time if, in fact, its loss is in the Big Ten championship game. I don't know if you agree or not, but I think Ohio State possibly wins that argument. But, of course, there are other dominoes that kind of have to fall and, and keep falling. If Georgia wins, if Georgia wins the uh, SEC over LSU, now what do you do with those two teams, you know? I mean, uh, so it's- – it's really weird, Tim, because in this playoff era, and you've been doing this long enough to know how things change, but if let, let's forget about the Rutgers game this weekend. We know they're going to win. Yeah. Um, so if you had to rank the other three in order of importance for Ohio State's college football playoff hopes, I would say Penn State is the most important game because it gets them to Indianapolis. The second one would be the Big Ten championship game. You want to win that. And you can flip those two and say, yeah, it's most important to win the Big Ten Championship. Somehow the Michigan game, yeah. in terms of what the playoff means, is probably third. It's falling and, into cracks. Yeah, I agree with you. I say that knowing it's absolutely the most important game on the schedule, so don't get me wrong there. But in terms of there is a scenario, believe it or not, where Ohio State could lose to Michigan and still get in. Absolutely. I mean, I absolutely see it just like you do. And, uh, and you know this. Jim Harbaugh and company, that's that's going to be desperation time up there in three weeks. We all know that. I mean, they they literally have to beat Ohio State or, you know, in essence, right. take, take a, almost a permanent step back. Go ahead. Well, yeah, they, they – uh, I was at the Notre Dame game, and that was the perfect setting for them, I guess, if, if you have six inches of rain on the ground. And, you know, <laughs> they, they ran it. They ran through Notre Dame, and, and I think they turned a little bit of a corner in the second half against Penn State. Agreed. I think I do think Michigan is – I know they lost the game. I think they're a little bit better than Penn State, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still think that, even though they lost the game, if that makes sense. Well, that's why I said – where, yeah, yeah. where they're at right now. That's, what anyway. I, that's why I said – I mean, I was more curious about how good Penn State was against Minnesota last week because of that very thing because I had doubts about Penn State for a lot of reasons, and, you know – I'm not going to knock their quarterback. Uh, I thought their quarterback, you know, obviously got banged up in that game a little bit too, but kept on throwing. But in mm-hmm. essence, when they finally had to throw the ball to win the game, they couldn't. They couldn't get it done as we all saw. But hey, let's jump real quick. Uh, Alabama LSU LSU pulls the win in Bryant Denny Stadium. Uh, Joe Burrow is carried off the field. How many times have you seen a player carried <laughs> off the field? Number one. But <laughs> well, you, you got to be happy for him, and and everybody knows the the best high school players in the country come from Southeast Ohio, right? So I guess uh, so. I uh, guess so. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, you know, it, it, I was happy for him. I, as as you know, I'm a Lancaster kid, so yeah. anytime you see somebody uh, do well from that part of the country, I, I'm very happy for Joe Burrow. They they played awesome, and uh, he played awesome. He probably wrapped up the Heisman unless they lose a game somehow. Um, and I also think they have room to lose a game because of that. At the, at the same time, like for those who want to push Alabama out at halftime, the answer was yes, they're done. But the fact that they made a game of it ha- and they just couldn't get a stop. I mean, the most disappointing thing for Alabama wasn't Tua couldn't move. Uh, we get that. He played through it. Yeah. It was that their defense couldn't come up with one stop with the game on the line. And I think that's their weakness. I think, that probably separates them a little bit from – I, you know, we can argue about Clemson, Tim, and we can argue whether LSU or Ohio State it should be number one. Yeah. But the reason that LSU-Ohio State argument is going to get so intense is because whoever loses that argument 
is going to have to deal with Clemson in the first round. And Clemson is a lot better than people think they are. Well, I've had that argument. I've been telling people, I mean, when I look at it, you look at the four best recruiting jobs done over the last several years, and it's probably those teams, you know, uh, and possibly Georgia, the five teams that have recruited better than anybody else in the country. And when you play light competition is what I call it, who knows what's going to happen. Real quick, though, you know, Bill – the interesting thing about Alabama and the myth of Alabama, which is this vaunted defense, uh, <laughs> you know, the last two games that have meant anything, the Clemson game last year for the championship, and, of course, LSU the other night, Joe Burrow carved him up when he had to. You know, he missed a few passes. It might have turned that game into a slight runaway. But the bottom line is they've given up over 40 points. I mean, is that, has that myth now been debunked about Alabama invented defense? Well, you know, I always use the uh... – Death Star analogy. I'm a huge Star Wars fan that Alabama has been the Death Star in college football for about 12, 13 years. And yeah. if there's a weakness, it's not a port that a Skywalker can fire something down there. It's a they lose when a quarterback has a lights out night. Yeah. And it's been proven. I mean, Manziel did it in Tuscaloosa. Joe did it the other day. Uh, Lawrence did it. I mean, Cardell was they didn't have an answer for Cardell Jones. No. And I think when Saban runs into a quarterback who can throw over the top against them, and it doesn't happen often because they can rush, when they have that quarterback who can throw over the top, they get beat. I mean, Bo, or uh, what was his name? Bo Wallace did it once. Yeah. I mean, it just happens every once in a while, and that's, that is the weakness in their Death Star, so to speak. Well, so I've, I've, I've the, told uh, everybody that's how you attack Alabama's defense, a great defense, is you attack it where there are fewer guys, and where there are fewer guys is in pass defense, and you can have some matchup situations there that are favorable to you, but your, your quarterback clearly has to be on that night or that afternoon to make it happen. But that's the way you attack any really good defense. I've been explaining that to people for years. And that's why when I look at Ohio State, I look at LSU, I look at Clemson, they're equipped, you know, with both the quarterback situation and the wide receiver situation. And to a certain extent, uh, better than average offensive lines from a protection standpoint and protection schemes to get after Alabama. And that's Alabama's really worst nightmare in a matchup situation. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, that's why those three teams have separated themselves a little bit. I still think, like I said, if, if I had to guess how the board plays out, I think they're going to put LSU one and they'll probably end up number one. I think Clemson, Ohio State will get a rematch. And um, that's worth seeing oh, because yeah. I'm curious because one of the I, I, some, you know, being in this business as long as you have, Tim, I, I don't mind admitting when I'm wrong. I thought Alabama was going to win Saturday. And, but I also thought back in 16 that Ohio State would just run Clemson off the field. Yeah. So for me, <laughs> if those two match up, I want to see what changed. Did Ohio State really change? Has Clemson gotten better? Like I think they have. Um, be a fantastic matchup. And then I think that fourth spot will be. A fun three-headed toss-up between Alabama, Oklahoma, who I think is going to win out and win the Big 12. But mm -hmm. that defense, here we go again. Look out. And then uh, the Oregon Ducks. I, I think Oregon is legit to make the playoff. I don't think they can beat those other three teams, but I think they're good enough to make the playoff. It is funny, though, how Ohio State has – it would be an interesting matchup with every one of those teams, uh, but especially – Ohio State versus LSU, Joe Burrow, are you kidding me? 
You know, uh, Ohio State versus Clemson, thirty-one to nothing. That's still I know I know gnaws at the crawl of Ohio State fans and definitely the few players that are still around from that. Ohio State, Alabama. You know, Alabama's has had a bone to pick with with Ohio State ever since that Sugar Bowl, way you know way back when two thousand fourteen season. Oh, for sure. So I mean, it's just and of course Oregon, Ohio State. You know, dominated Oregon for the most part in that national championship game, and so just. Those would be all curious, interesting matchups uh, that uh, all of which people have scores to settle. Real quick, Bill. Uh, so, so Tuesday night, um, you know, we're recording this before Tuesday night. Obviously, you think uh, the top four. I'm just reading your mind. There will be LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama. You think Alabama stays at four? I think they might put Georgia at four. I do too. Just to set up the set up the scenario, like I said, that they're not going. The one thing they're not going to do is put Alabama behind Oregon or Oklahoma yeah. because they're not then they won't have a way to put Alabama back up. Yeah. They do have a way of putting Alabama over Georgia if Georgia loses at all. You really think you think they really the committee really thinks that way. You really think they think that way. <laughs> well, I think they I don't think they think that way in particular, but I think with with the people in that room, they don't, you, the last thing you want to do is like switch it at the last minute. Right. Yes. Because then you look really bad. If you, then it just looks like, Oh, we're going to do what we want to do. So, but I, but I do think right now, if I was ranking them myself, I'd probably rank them the same way. I'd probably put Alabama five. I'd probably put Oregon right behind them at six. And then, uh, you know, I, you know, I watched this on the Fox show the other night. I thought urban Myers top 10 was, pretty solid i mean who knew he would be such a good studio analyst he's unbelievable <laughs> in there yeah. and uh other than he had utah a little high but i'll give him that one because uh he coached there once upon a time did a pretty good job there right exactly real quick though before you go the, the interesting thing to me is though alabama you know where's the where's the real quality win uh that's the question i would have with georgia you're sitting there they do have a win over notre dame which is better than average you know i don't think you'd agree with that after i watched the live their escape against uh, virginia tech two weeks ago and of course you know the game the other night but you know alabama doesn't really have you know hang your hat on this win kind of win that what they have a hang your hat on is a close loss and that's why i think they could lose the argument in a couple ways this year because in pat that seven, 2017 season they did have some quality wins yes this year they don't have that well we did this yeah. um because it's not going to impress anybody. Now, that being said, they – I don't know what the the best analogy would be, but they, they do play by their own rules a little bit. I don't even consider them an SEC team. Yeah, uh, They're like their own planet. They're an independent. And, uh, yeah. They they get their own rules, and people hate it. But And they're going to hate it if they're ranked number – if the committee somehow does put them number four. So we'll see how it goes. I, I do think, like I said, it's going to be on somebody else to push them off. Because yeah. you can't count on the committee to do it. That's the only thing I would say as far as Alabama goes for the last month. And here's the thing about Alabama, and you know this, the same thing when you when a team plays Ohio State, when you play LSU. I guarantee you, whether Joe Burrow admits it or not, he got hit harder the other night than he's been hit all year. And he took some licks, you know, against Texas and stuff. But Alabama's defense wasn't great. But when it got to you, you know, you, yeah. you, know, you, were, you got whacked. And uh, he got whacked a few times and stood up to it and, and – uh, delivered real quick well, selfishly tim i hope if they could match it up this way in a perfect world for me 
I'd love to see Alabama, Ohio State in the semis, and then LSU and Clemson. Yeah. And then if Alabama and LSU win that way, so be it. They play for the title game. But yeah. I think we'd get some, like you said, there's no bad matchup in terms of the teams that could actually play Ohio State. You think State. they would match up LSU, Alabama in a semifinal? I, mean, I you do. Think, I do. That's the only way you I could think, get them there at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I think they would just because – they want to avoid what happened in 11-12, where the entire nation, like the entire rest of the country, complained when those two played in the BCS championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Hey, Bill Bender, it's always a slice. <laughs> you know, you're one of my favorite people, man, and uh, I appreciate you coming on here. And just give me one little snippet, one little tidbit out there, something you're working on. People can check on the Sporting News. Oh, we got a couple, you know, I'm already looking ahead to Ohio State, Michigan. We got some good things coming for that. And of course, this week, uh, you know, as you know, I do a little bit NFL for us. Yeah. Man, uh, the loser of the Steelers-Browns game on Thursday night is going to feel it. (laughs) Crazy. You know, the Browns won. I I thought that's why there was a holiday holiday, uh, this week, (laughs) but I found out it was Veterans Day. So, you know, who knew, right? But, uh, hey, Bill. Right. Appreciate it, my man. Thank you very much, and we'll be in touch, man. Thank you for, very much hey, for coming on my podcast. Thank you, so, thank you so much. Appreciate it, Tim. Sure, man. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Bill Bender, one of the more respected guys out there who covers the national, and as he pointed out, the national college scene and also the NFL on occasion for the sporting news. He's been around for a while. He's a local fellow from Pickerington, as he told you, grew up in Lancaster. But his uh, views are always down the middle and to the point, and I appreciate him coming on my podcast. You know, when we come back here, I'm going to break down a couple, three plays for you from the Ohio State win over Maryland, which caught my interest just on the way they sort of snookered Maryland and just sort of the incredible non-defense against Chris Olave on an early critical play in that game. I'm still scratching my head. How does that happen? But we'll we'll be back with that. And then after that, with my friend Boston Ward, and we'll talk about what's going on with the Chase Young situation and beyond for Ohio State as it gears up for the trip to Rutgers. We'll be back in a moment. Hey, college football fans, it's Zach Bourne here. You need to check out BetDSI.com. BetDSI is a great way to use your sports knowledge to make some extra cash. That's right. BetDSI is the top-rated online sports book. They've been paying winners for over 20 years. The reason they've been around that long is because they have got the fastest payouts in the industry. Plus, the user interface and mobile site is the best in the business. Play, win, and get paid. It's that simple. It doesn't matter if it's college football, the NFL, NBA, NHL, UFC, eSports, reality TV, virtually anything. You can bet it. You can bet on it at betdsi.com and get paid right now. There's no better way to add some excitement to games that you already are watching. Check out their live betting where you can bet on games throughout the entire matchup, every play, and every minute until the end. BetDSI has a special deal for Letterman Row fans. Use the promo code ROW100 to get a 100% bonus match. That's more than double. That's right, more than double your money to start winning today. Once again, go to BetDSI.com and use promo code ROW100 and get this limited 100% bonus offer to make some extra cash on the sports you know and love. BetDSI promo code ROW100. Now back to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Uh, This is my favorite part of the show. No offense to Bill Bender, no offense to Boston Ward, but where you get to actually look at some football plays and see where Ohio State stood out on Saturday against Maryland, the latest big-time lopsided victory by the – was the number one 
in the college football playoff rankings. Ohio State was probably going to drop to number two this week, but who cares, right? It's where you are at the end of the year that matters. But the creativity that's going on here, and you know, the question was, did did the Ohio State coaching staff uh, and the players have something out for Maryland based on the way last year's game went? Maybe based on the way last week went for Ohio State and its situation with Chase Young. I don't know, but uh, what I kept in mind is I watched the most beautiful, ex- beautifully executed onside kick I've ever seen Ohio State pull was that Matt Barnes, the special teams coach, was a coach at Maryland, was a coach at Maryland last year. And this let's just set this up. Uh, Spencer, roll it back to the very start. If you were paying attention, you saw Ohio State line up in this kind of weird kick coverage formation earlier in the game. Just leave it right there for a second. They had three guys to the right, or actually four guys, when you got this fellow here, to the right of Blake Hallvale. And uh, when the, when the, when they're on their first kick, first couple of kickoffs, these guys kind of ran in and up the field, got in their lanes and covered like you're supposed to do on kickoffs. So for Maryland, this wasn't that odd of a formation, except that they were paying attention. This fellow right here was Chris Olave. <laughs> the lonesome end, as I'm going to call him on this play, like Army used to run many, 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 many decades ago. But if you can see, they're all set up to cover uh, what looks like a kickoff to the to the, the kickoff team's left. But watch what happens, and I know you've all seen this a million times probably already, but let's play it again. Chris Olave runs straight up the field. Nobody picks him up. But the main thing that happens here is Blake Hallbile in Australian – rules football fashion pops up a perfect kick to Chris Olave. Run it again, Spence. Let's watch it all the way to the top. And Chris Olave hauls it in like a basically a, a little touch pass from uh, Justin Fields, hauls it in right on the sidelines. And you can see the Ohio State sideline erupts in joy. They couldn't believe that a, a play they had practiced that uh, up 14 to nothing, Ryan Day had the audacity to give the green light to. And they were so happy, in fact, that Ohio State ended up getting a sideline warning, I think, after this play. And an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, I think, to uh, someone gloated maybe a little bit too freely. But, boy, what a play that really just sort of put this game on its ear as far as Ohio State was concerned. And you'll see what it led to. Here it is, K.J. Hill. Touchdown pass. Just let it run all the way through. K.J. Hill came from the wide side, came in motion back inside, looped like he was going to run behind Justin Fields after the after the uh, snap to the pistol depth. And then, of course, irk, he puts on the brakes irk, and then accelerates like a Formula One car back out to the outside. Justin Fields lays it out perfectly in front of him on a swing pass, and K.J. Hill beats everybody else back out to the corner. Of course, it helped that you had a wide receiver here running a running a basically a clear-out route. That's Chris Olave looking uh, – the Maryland defense is looking for a possible lob to the corner. That was the only man who really could have stopped this play, and he wasn't really aware of what had just happened to him until, until K.J. Hill crossed the goal line, as folks watching the video can see. And the interesting part about this is Ohio State ran a very similar play a couple of weeks ago where K.J. Hill was lined up in the slot. There was a receiver out wide of him. He came in motion toward the line, reversed at the snap 
just like on this play, and caught another swing pass for a touchdown. A little bit different formation, but basically the same play run out of a different formation. Definitely caught Maryland on the flip-flop. As the old saying goes, you love it when a plan comes together. Now let's go to the uh, the maybe my favorite pass play of the day, the Chris Olave touchdown pass from uh, catch from Justin Fields. We'll stop it right there. As you can see, and my man Spencer Holbrook pointed this out to me too, K.J. Hill has run the same, uh, the same in-motion action from being set out wide uh, and coming back in like they're, they're about to run the same play. Maryland's defense reacts. Well, what Maryland's defense reacts to and what's about to come are two different things. Stop it right there, Spence. As you can see, Jeremy Ruckert had lined up with uh, on the left side uh, on a little bit of a wing action. Uh, next to Luke Farrell, the two tight ends, he runs basically runs a route where he is running a weave action with Chris Olave, who came from the right side, from the right from the right slot. The interesting thing was, though, Maryland thought it had, it had sniffed out this play. Hey, that's the same play they ran earlier today, when in fact it's not. It's one of the few times Ohio State has really run the weave this year, but nobody runs with in my opinion, the most dangerous receiver on the team right now, Chris Olave, who gets lost in the back of the end zone and going on the on the high side of Jeremy Ruckert, who just breezes past the umpire, and boom, Chris Olave, like I said, the most dangerous receiver Ohio State's got going for it right now, is wide open for an easy touchdown pass from Justin Fields. Ladies and gentlemen, a little bit of scheming could go a long way, especially when you have big-time athletes executing and that's what you're seeing from Ohio State from week to week you're seeing different wrinkles offensively and here we are nine games into the season Ohio State's nine and zero, and they're just throwing some new things out there you know we'll be right back in a moment with my good friend Boston Ward we'll maybe talk about this a little bit but maybe we'll talk about the Chase Young situation and then moving on to Rutgers and I asked to pose the question well why isn't Ohio State a 60 point favorite this week instead of just a mere 52 but we'll be back in a moment welcome back ladies and gentlemen as you know uh, breaking down plays is one of the favorite things I do I even do it at home uh, but my man Spencer Holbrook helps me get through it on these days when we're recording the Tim May podcast and by the way I wasn't kidding <clears throat> about the uh situation and i have the evidence right here i call it the k u h p the cup right now it has 73 dollars in it based on since i started saying i would pledge a dollar for every uh i say that's unprovoked on this program for every uh i will i will give you a i will put a dollar into this pot now as you notice I've had to consolidate some of the dollars because the pot's getting full already. Consolidate them into 20s. What do you think, Boston? I especially like the uh, the sticker that uh, Sammy Silverman helped work up for, the, for you down there to make sure that it's really you that's giving this money, uh, and it was on your own. But, I mean, I give you so much credit for that. It's A, it's self-evaluation. You want to make this podcast the best it can be, and I appreciate that. You know that uh, you've always been one of my favorite guys just because of your work ethic. But two, it's going to oh charity. gosh, oh gosh. Go ahead now. Well, I mean, I mean, we're going to talk about that. I don't. I didn't mean to come in and pat you on the back for both of those things, but it's true. <laughs> but it's true. Um, I mean, this to, to take that idea 
the way you're doing it. I, I think it's really cool. If I can get some people match it out there, it'd be fine too, man. You can give me a, a dime for every dollar in there, but uh, believe me, that's going to be a lot of dimes <laughs> that's, uh, before this baby's that's quite done. A, that's quite a pledge drive for uh, Christina yeah. and Ryan Day there. Yeah, you know, this is 73 is what I came up with my own count. I'm not going to go back and watch those podcasts repeatedly to audit, <laughs> but I'm sure there's somebody out there auditing them, but we'll see where it goes. Isn't that Spencer's I'm, job? I'm going to start right now with an uh, so we make sure we get a few more in there as this as this program goes on. But I digress, of course. <laughs> Bottom line, Chase Young, the situation. Yeah. As you know, you were working on it on Thursday, mm-hmm. Wednesday, and Thursday. I was working on it Wednesday and Thursday. We, you finally release your story on Friday morning before the news. You know, you break the story on it. Uh, a lot of stuff on Twitter. Twitter gets kind of wound up sometimes, mm-hmm. but it you basically have to put. I, we used to call it putting ink on paper. Now it's putting a, a published story on the internet, which is what you know we had before anyone did on Friday morning. That's not patting ourselves on the back, but the bottom line was maybe the best player in college football missed a game, probably going to miss another game. Mm-hmm. Who knows how many games he's going to miss right now? We're hearing they might limit it to two, yeah. but that hasn't. That's just conjecture. No one knows that at all. As we. Uh, record this what's your take on the whole situation how it came down and what do you think the ultimate penalty could be boy that is a there's a lot I could a lot of directions to go there I I think I've tried to make this point as often as I could Tim that you know people can speculate about the length of the suspension uh, what's going to happen in the next uh, few days this week as Ohio State tries to get a resolution on the appeal process nobody knows for sure because the NCA is the, is the arbiter here, and they are one of the most notoriously difficult people to predict uh, on the face of the planet. Now, Ohio State's compliance department is part of that, so they had to ha- they have some inclination of how this could go. I think where some of the confusion has been, because I've said over and over, and this is not a prediction, the most likely thing, the mo- thing I've heard most frequently is two games. It could be four. It could have been, if the amount of money was so absurd that it couldn't have possibly been paid back, Chase Young could have missed the rest of the season. But the way that the, the facts have been laid out in the discussions that I've had, and you and I have both had these with a number of people involved at Ohio State, uh, is that got the money, you know, the, the details that Chase Young talked about, that's the Ohio State's understanding. Uh, I don't know the exact amount of money. I don't know exactly whether this guy has become an agent or not. There's lots of conjecture about this stuff. The truth of the matter is those details don't matter a huge amount as long as the money was fully paid back over the summer which Ohio State is confident that it was, then you're looking at that penalty of four games likely coming down to two. Now, we can have a different conversation on if the a league that is or a conference, you know, the organizers, they're trying to bring name licensing and image back. If, uh, if they want to send a harsher message while they're trying to help players at the same time, that would seem pretty hypocritical to me. Uh, if Chase Young had been able to have one autograph signing last December, Somewhere in Columbus, uh, he would have never had the need to get take a loan from anyone. Pasadena or bus, that's yeah. what he could have called. Yeah, it. He could have done, you know, he could have done anything. That that's my personal opinion on the matter. I, I, as everybody knows, had the chance a few weeks ago to sit down with Chase Young and Larry Johnson. I like covering him. He's a good guy. Yeah. Um. And and you talked about last week. The thing that really put this on my radar, where the concern went up, was even before Wednesday on Tuesday night. I was, you know trying to set up an interview and, and get Chase Young available this week with Ohio State's you know communication staff. Yeah. And I thought it was odd because 
the initial plan was... This is your Heisman guy. This was the initial plan was you had the off date for Ohio State after Wisconsin. You now had Chase Young uh, in the straw poll, number two as the Heisman guy behind Joe Burrow. You have J.K. Dobbins. Justin Fields was the only one of those three that was available over two weeks. Um, and I thought, you know, J.K., that's fine. He, he deserves a break. He does a lot of media. But, you know, Chase Young was someone that they... There were plans for him to talk during those two days, two, at some point over two weeks. And when that didn't happen, I thought, that's a little odd. I wonder what else is going on here. Because if it was up solely to Ohio State's communication staff, their leading Heisman candidate would have been available. And yes. it wasn't. Yes. I, you know, we were, we were following the same uh, flares there as it <laughs> went on. And what we knew for sure, what we knew for sure going into Thursday was he wasn't going to play. Right against uh, against Maryland. What we also didn't know for sure was exactly why. And then as it goes on, we find out exactly why. As Thursday night goes into into Friday, you know, we like you know we were talking all all night Thursday about popping that story then. But you know, you and here's you, the, here's you the wanna, you, as I, think, I explain to people, you don't want to just throw. I've never thrown stuff on the wall. There have been a couple of things well, here, here, that I've been semi-wrong about a couple of times. Let me throw but, this in, Tim, real quick. The reason we didn't write it on Thursday night and and waited until Friday morning was because there was still a possibility that the NCAA could have ruled on the appeal correct. at any point. Correct. And so you don't – there would have been no point like, – this has happened before. I don't want to name na- too many names here where a player let's you know gets a ticket to a sporting event, a high profile, a starter maybe even a Heisman candidate yeah. in the recent in recent years and you're 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 ruled ineligible at that moment Ohio State finds out and then you repay somebody for that ticket yeah okay so that person there was that never never needed to be reported it wasn't like okay x guy just was ruled ineligible but he's fine he's going to play because it was a minor violation they handled it he was ineligible for like 2 hours a day and yeah. then he's back you know this and when it was Thursday night you didn't know that could still have happened for Chase Young. Yeah. And so until it was 100%, they're not going to hear it. He's not playing against Maryland. That's why we had to wait. What we knew was they were planning on him not playing that. Right. I mean, that was yep. that was yep. for okay. sure. And I so, just wanted to clarify that. Exactly. Point. I mean, that's where, you know, people always want to put the cart before the horse and there are all kinds of theories floating around. We'll see where this goes if if and when we ever get to talk to Chase Young again. <laughs> Past that. I think we will. How Ohio State rode the boat. Against Maryland, rode the boat through Maryland. <laughs> it was incredible that on a day when Chase Young was not available, they they register seven sacks, their most as a team all year. Unbelievable, right? D- led by Devon Hamilton uh, at, at defensive tackle and Tyreek Smith at defensive end. And, of course, Zach Harrison gets his, what, second sack of the year, I yeah. think. But uh, big-time sack. But it is amazing how that worked out, huh? Well, it's – you know, you've been talking about Devon Hamilton all year. I know. You've been Wait, pat my back, pat yeah, me on the you've back. You've been you've been right on about this guy. And it, it's not that uh anyone didn't believe it, but you just see these guys at nose tackle or three technique as, as Jay Sean Cornell didn't have a great statistical day but continues to be a real weapon. But the watch inside. the video, man. Yeah. I'm telling you. So it's just hard because you've got these big time defensive ends. You've got Jeff Okuda, there's only, Malik Harrison. There's only so much spotlight to go around, but I think if you look at the guy who's really really making an impact and moving the line of scrimmage on every single down, it's Devon Hamilton. He's, and you don't see him on mock draft boards. 
you don't hear him talked about being as an All-American except for Will Crawl, who made that his bold prediction for the second half of the season. Um, you know, our, our boss man back there. So if you look at it, he doesn't get that much credit. He still doesn't. And the two sacks, maybe that'll help him. But I guarantee you when it gets to be March and April, people, when those NFL talent evaluators and those scouts see this, the things that you've been talking about all year long, that guy's going to shoot up the draft. Here's the thing. If I he, would not be surprised yeah. to see him be a first-round pick. He, uh, for the most part, dominated the middle of the field against Wisconsin, which a lot of people thought has the best guards and center, center yeah. in the Big Ten, maybe in the country. <laughs> not off that video, they don't. <laughs> and, of course, Saturday he owned that poor that poor Maryland center, knocked him backwards, <laughs> and there was a great play. I mean, you and uh, – Zach you Bourne. and Zach Bourne breaking down one of the one of the plays, and it's interesting because I was watching you guys uh, record that, and there's a there's a play in that uh, that y'all broke down if you really pay attention where a, a Maryland offensive lineman kind of fires out and hits nobody and lands on <laughs> falls down. I mean that's the kind of the kind of year this defensive front is having, and it's not a one man show. And I think it was very important to not just the fans of Ohio State and the people around the country see that, but for Ohio State, their players to understand it's not a one-man show up there. And I think they all kind of had a feeling about that. But, you know, they're, they but they continually be giving praise to Chase because Chase not only has been playing out of his gourd this year, but he's also a great leader on that defense. Mm -hmm. And so there, there's nothing to dislike about Chase Young for their players. But now everybody knows life can go on without him. And, and – I think what made it more impressive to me just on Saturday in particular is that Jonathan Cooper continues to be out with that, you know, just trying to get healthy from the high ankle sprain. And if you'd gone into, you know, August and we'd been sitting here and say it's November and neither Chase Young nor Jonathan Cooper are going to be on the field and Zach Harrison is going to be a starter in a Big Ten game, based on what I had seen, like he just didn't seem like he was going to be ready to play as a freshman right. to me. And that, that's not a knock. I mean, physically the tools are there, but – it seemed like he was really raw, and Larry Johnson was going to have his work cut out for him. Uh, and Tyreek Smith, yeah, I would have thought that he would have ascended and been the potential to be a superstar. Um, but really, I would have been pointing that towards his junior year the same way as Ch with Chase Young a year ago. Um, but it's when you take those two guys out, uh, all Big Ten performers at a minimum, I, I think Cooper could have had that kind of year if he's healthy. But um, maybe there's a debate to be had on that front. But that's, that's still two captains, right. a defensive end that you're playing without. C.J. Saunders, uh, the third captain, you don't have him, and, and I was told on Saturday that he will be out for the rest of the year. Uh, now that's the other side of the ball. I'm not trying to get too far away from it, but they've Ohio State's had to play without key guys all year. Right. And they have – this dominance hasn't even slowed down at all without them, and that's that's remarkable. Well, that's why, you know, when I was talking with Bill Bender, you know, you heard that. I'm, yeah. The, what stands out about Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia <clears> – who am I leaving at? LSU – it's just the, just the quality of the player players on the roster. That's why they are different yeah. from almost everybody else you name. Some of those teams can rise up because they have great players. Uh, they have great players that if they play well on a day can beat those teams, but they don't have the depth, the quality that those four or five teams have. And that's why they are set apart. That's why Alabama will get a little bit of a wink probably from the CFP committee because they know how talented the roster is. They know the problems that defense has had all year. You know, coming up, uh, young, inexperienced guys who got tattooed, by the way, the other night. But that's the thing you give Ohio State the benefit of the doubt, too, in this situation. But like you said, what, what Ohio State's done on its offensive line this year at the tackle spots, is it's crazy. They couldn't have done that two years ago. No. 
not even close. One injury would have decimated yeah. them. You had you know Brandon Bowen dealing with a back injury. Uh, Josh Alby with that swing man, he was very important to the depth. He missed several weeks. He was back, could have you know playing on Saturday. Uh, Thayer Munford dealing with you know that lingering issue, an ankle injury of his own, right? And him getting annoyed about answering the questions about that. But I just remember. You've That's what do- happens when you become a star. I mean, you've been doing this obviously longer than me, but I've, this is eight years that I've covered Ohio State. And when I first got here, that 2012 unit was – I mean, you had a converted tight end playing right tackle in Reed Fragle. Right. And if they had lost Reed Fragle, I don't know what would have happened. And it was really that way basically every season that I've been here. One injury didn't, didn't hurt them when Brandon Bowen got hurt two years ago, but they weren't quite the same. Uh, and last year was the first time where they really kind of – were able to absorb that uh, when you looked at what happened late in the year with Demetrius Knox. But, I mean, th- not at tackle. They still would have been in big trouble, I think. Yeah. And now this is – it took them a long time, I guess, to get it right with offensive line recruiting and building that depth back up. And I think it's finally back to a level where you think Ohio yeah. State would be. I remember all the heat that a lot of people were giving uh, Greg Studrawa, you know, especially hey, I did in, that. Yeah. in the coaching uh, in the coaching swing transition from yeah. to the Ryan Day mm-hmm. era, whether – you know, Ryan Day would even retain him, and <clears throat> I was always under the impression that Ryan Day respected what Greg Studrower brings to the table. With that, also adding to that mix is what Kevin Wilson brings to that offensive line tight end group mm-hmm. from a coaching standpoint. I mean, he's almost a forgotten guy uh, this year yeah. when you start talking about Ohio State coaches, but there's a toughness there that is without a doubt. And I tell people, you know, I always refer to the video. The video does not lie, and there are plays within within these games where the offensive line is putting on putting what I call clinic mm-hmm. blocking exhibitions on video. Yeah. And you didn't always see that the last several years. They're also they've been snooker a few times because there's some good players they go against. But yeah, that's what this team has going for it. With that with that in mind, let's just move on here real quickly. I, I watched Rutgers uh, I forgot who they were playing. Uh, a it video. Does, it doesn't matter. <laughs> the other night, and wow! I mean, I'm just I'm stunned uh, by what could. I'm stunned by my thinking about what could happen on Saturday afternoon at 3:38 p.m. when they kick off <laughs> at Rutgers in Piscataway. They're really the the. You couldn't be farther apart than Ohio State and Rutgers. No. Definitely in the Big Ten. It's. It's hard to wrap your mind around. Uh, you look at this, and it, it, you're in the middle of the Big Ten slate for Ohio State. You're in November, championship season. It's the you know, second game in November. And I'm wondering, should Chris Chuganoff start this game at quarterback for Ohio State? That it, It's like, that's not going to happen. I don't, you know, Ryan Day wants Justin Fields to get reps. They're going to treat everyone with respect and all this stuff. But to me, they're not different than Miami of Ohio. And... Ohio State explodes for 42 points in that second quarter against Miami, Ohio. You cannot convince me that if Ohio State wants to, that it couldn't score 100 points in this game. It's I've never seen anything like yeah, it. Yeah, my my friend Doug Maurice, you know, Cleveland.com, he he put that out there the right. other day. And, yeah. But he's it's a legit question. They scored 73 against a Maryland team. That, yeah, Maryland's not not very good. Maryland but, beat Rutgers by 41. Exactly. So if you extrapolate, which oh. is what we do, right? Extrapolate, yeah. conjugate. Uh, you come up with an adverb that is, are you kidding me? And I, 
the way Chuganov, after they kind of the off the backup the offensive line got his act together, it wasn't together very well to begin with right. on Saturday. But when they started crushing people the other day, and you know that the team they're playing this coming week is not as anywhere near as good as that team. I mean, Master Teague the third might run for three hundred yards. I'm being facetious, <coughs> but two hundred though. But two hundred is not out of the question, in my opinion. They 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 had seven hundred three yards of I think it was seven hundred three of total offense. I got my pat myself on the back again. I I said Bold they would prediction. they would top their uh, their season high of rushing yards, which had which had been three sixty three, and I was worried about that until the fourth quarter when Master Teague the third and Demario McCall and Marcus Crowley. Just kept going, and you, and of course they did. Uh, season high, I can't remember what it was three eighty six or three ninety two or something. They might top that again this week. And I think you and I were talking about this as soon as uh, Saturday's game was over. The reason that you have to at least give some thought to how early you're going to pull the guys out if you want to, you know, starters that are on the fence, if you want to play them at all, if you want to be careful, is Ohio State. It's not going to say anything bad about Rutgers, but their coaching staff can see the film. And I've heard this for several weeks when they're preparing for other teams. That You know, you look at this Rutgers team, and it's one of the most unprepared, uh, least talented ones that some of these coaches have ever seen. Yeah. And they know that. Like, they know what they're facing, and they know the situation. And so when I look at it from my own perspective, if I'm trying to manage that roster, and if I'm Ryan Day, and, and I can't even remotely think about all the decisions that he has to deal with on a day-to-day basis, but like some t- the injury risk is real against Rutgers. They Ohio, and I mean two things: Ohio State could legitimately hurt some of these guys if Chase Young is playing against Rutgers. My God, that quarterback and the backup quarterback—it's yeah. scary what he could do. To well, these them. guys aren't little leaguers. I mean, I'm not—I'm not yeah. trying to make it sound like they're high school players, yeah. but they're not. They are not the same caliber of athlete that Ohio State has. Right. And they would need four guys to block Chase Young, or he's going to be running full speed at their quarterback. Yeah. And the second part of that is the way that they play, you know, that just falling incorrectly into somebody's knee or you right. know, stepping right. wrong. Like Ohio State has, but that has, can happen. has yeah. potential to play five huge games yeah. after that. Yeah. Like I would be seriously considering treating it like a scrimmage to get through. Let but, me tell you that's something. I think most most college football players, I guarantee you Justin Fields thinks this way, J.K. Dobbins thinks this way. You know, you play against Wisconsin and some of these tough defenses so that you get a chance to play against these other ones because yeah. this is this is a gravy gravy situation payday, yeah. and you deserve it. I mean, yeah. you know, if you're better than them, you deserve to go out and get to show it. I mean, without it like like Ryan Day said it the other day, man. You know, you're full, you're full throttle through the first half, no matter yeah. what the situation is. Because we just saw, for example, Illinois come from 25 down to beat uh, Michigan State. I am not in any form or fashion putting Illinois and Rutgers on the same level. But the <laughs> thing about college football is you never really know what's going to happen. And so it's it's folly to 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 take a team so lightly that you don't even play your starters. I mean, that would be – I don't see that happening. I understand what you're saying, but you can't play football worried or scared. Yeah. And that's what Ohio State – I expect Ohio State to take care of business in this game, take care of it early. I mean, if anything, you might want to play your starters a little bit longer because they're going they're coming comes coming down the line. They're going to be three straight games probably if Ohio State yeah, takes a, care of business. That's a good point where your starters are going to have to play complete games. Yep. And uh, like I said, the beauty of Ohio State's defensive line situation, the way they were able to take 
take up the slack from missing Chase Young is Larry Johnson's been playing 10 or 12 guys every week anyway. Yeah. And then it comes to fruition, the 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 effort, uh, the planning you put into that of keeping guys fresh, but also keeping guys ex- getting guys experience definitely paid off against Maryland. There was, in my opinion, there was no drop-off to the surge that was the Ohio State pass rush, and it paid off with, like I said, a, a uh, season-high seven sacks. They recruit well, and then nobody is any better at developing than Larry Johnson. That's yeah. a big part of it. And like yeah. I said with Zach Harrison in particular, I thought it might take some time. You know, I still would have thought that he would be a, a three-year guy with all the tools that he has. He was going to be heading towards the NFL draft after three years, but I didn't know what they would get in year one. They weren't going to redshirt him, obviously. A kid with that talent, uh, you're going to get him on the field and, and not waste a year of eligibility. But, you know, like I said, could he? Could I have envisioned, envisioned him starting a game in the Big Ten, getting a sack and, and then getting a teaching point about how using that extra step to get away before he flex and yeah. instead of getting a 15-yard penalty? Uh, I didn't think that could happen. I, Tyreek Smith is on that trajectory. Uh, but it, you go to even to defensive tackle, B.B. Landers, Devon Hamilton, Jay Sean Cornell. Tommy Togiai. Tommy even Gas- Ant- Antoine Garrett. Uh, you could have given up on Antoine Jackson a long time yeah. ago, and he was out there like seeming like the light had come on a little bit uh, in that game. So it's it's scary to think that you can go 10 or 12 guys, and, you, and two of them are not Jonathan Cooper and Chase Young. I, it's – Show me another defensive line anywhere that can match that. I, yeah. I don't believe it exists. Yeah, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly this year. Everybody kept asking me last year, did Ohio State going into the season have the best defensive line in college football? I guess no. I, I kept saying no. Clemson did. <laughs> and Clemson did, by the way. <laughs> uh, but now, from a depth standpoint, this is I think this rivals, if, if it's not better than any – other program in the country, including all those big-time uh, teams I've named. Yep. Well, you know what, Boston, it's always a pleasure. We'll get to a, a full-fledged, a fully-fledged, whatever the adverb is there or adjective <laughs> is there, uh, pick situation after practice on Wednesday practice when you and Berm and I stand around and what did you think that talk the, about what what's coming. What did you think coming. the point spread was going to be? I thought the point spread – here's the thing. You know, the guys that set the point spreads are in it to make money. They're not in it <clears throat> to predict a final score. And clearly they're not because they totally missed Saturday, right? <laughs> I mean, once again, Ohio State's 8-1 and one against the spread. Yeah. You know, somebody lost, and it wasn't it wasn't who bet on Ohio State. You follow my drift. <laughs> so I thought the spread would be possibly pushing 60. And the thing about it is, the reason I look at, say that is, I look at this, I look at the way the second third team for Ohio State went in there and kind of kept up the pressure for the most part. Demario McCall had a day. He had two touchdowns. He's the he's the king of those fourth quarter touchdowns. Well, I know you don't like Demario McCall. I like Demario McCall. I thought his I thought his kickoff return kind of set the tone for how the day went on from from the, then on. After you know the the one time the two times that uh, they had a kickoff return in that game, uh, but but the bottom line are three times. But I thought his first kickoff return was pretty big. Right. But then but then past that. Uh, uh, I don't see Rutgers being able to stop the second or third teams on a consistent basis. So if I'm analyzing it, I saw at least the spread getting up into the high 50s, maybe 60, which would have been almost taken off the board. Well, I think – and McCall is the perfect example for your point there. It's not that I don't like Demario McCall. It's that I struggled to see him being able to carve out a meaningful role ahead of a guy like Master Teague. Uh, Marcus Crowley was showing why – he gets carries in that fourth fourth quarter before that. Uh, oh my goodness, injury buddy. scare! I was on the I was on the I was on the uh, field 
on the on the sideline for when he was running, man alive. That guy's going to be a very good player at Ohio State, and and so that's really the point. Like they have a guy like Demario McCall, who almost any other school in the Big Ten or in the country would feature, and I have a hard time, you know, putting him ahead of Dobbins, Teague, Crowley, KJ Hill in the slot. Uh, back when CJ Saunders in training camp before he was going to miss the year. I thought all those guys just brought a little more to the table, uh, Garrett Wilson at punt returner. Right. And it's not that I think DeMario McCall is a bad football player, because clearly he's not. And other teams you know, are going to struggle to stop him if it gets into the game. But uh, getting him into the game for Ohio State, you have to go past all these other guys. Right, exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the problems Ohio State is dealing with. Yeah, the first mean, world problem. You lose maybe the best player in college football, and you still have a, like I said, a season high seven <laughs> sacks against a not hapless team, but uh, it's half hapless some team. Quarterbacks that can run too. Yeah. It's not like they were exactly there stationary. I mean, the, and the way Devon Hamilton's blowing up plays, man, and it's there's nowhere for the quarterback to step up and go if you don't beat the guy around the edge. It's in his lights out, and that's the way it was for Maryland on. This past Saturday, and that's the way we expect it to be for Rutgers times two this coming Saturday. Ladies and gentlemen, I really want to appreciate uh, and thank Boston Ward for coming on my podcast yet again. I really want to throw out thanks to Bill Bender, one of the more respected fellows out there covering major college football. Yep. And uh, and I want to you know, thank myself for not adding <laughs> that much to this cup. We'll have to check the tape. Correct. The tape will tell the tale, as I like to say, but – I was very disciplined today, but uh, either way, this is going to a great cause, the Christina and Ryan Day Fund at the end of the regular season. And by the way, I will be cutting it off at the end of the regular <laughs> season because I do have to buy my grandson some Christmas toys. <laughs> but uh, until next week, this is Tim May for the Tim May Podcast. We'll see you then.